We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. The American Health Care Act cleared the Republican-led House of Representatives. All of the Republicans on Illinois' congressional delegation voted for the controversial replacement for the Affordable Care Act, which is often called Obamacare. All of the Democrats voted against it. This weekend, we'll talk with a suburban Republican member of Congress about what all of that means right now and in the future. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guest this weekend is Congressman Randy Hultgren. He's been representing the 14th District on Capitol Hill since 2011. It's a sprawling district, including seven Illinois counties, most to the west of Chicago. The uh, Plano Republican previously has been a member of the DuPage County Board, where he and I first met, and the Illinois House and Senate. He also went into the private sector for a while. He says he has always fought for free enterprise and smaller government. In the interest of full disclosure, I live in the 14th District, so this is my congressman. Uh, That doesn't mean you get a pass on tough questions. (laughs) I bet not, especially not these days. (laughs) Congressman Randy Hulkerin, welcome. Thanks, Craig. Good to be with you. Uh, Well, we keep hearing the refrain that the American Health Care Act is not in its final form as it heads for the U.S. Senate. So why did you vote for something that still needs work? Well, we've got to move forward. To me, uh, what we've got is failing. Every day we hear more stories of uh, insurance companies pulling out. In my district, I've got seven counties. Three of them only have one insurance company. It's a good insurance company, but there's no choice if you only have one. And if that one pulls out, they've got none. We see in Iowa now 94 out of their 99 counties likely are going to have no insurance companies uh, on the exchange in 2018. So what we've got is failing. Uh, Another more uh, leaders in the insurance side of things saying that it's in a death spiral. Uh, it's got some real problems. Uh, so we've got to do something. A lot of my colleagues say, hey, just let it fail. Just step back, let it fail. We can say we told you so. I don't think that's the right thing to do. I think there's too many people uh, that need to be uh, provided care, our seniors, uh, people with disabilities, other folks uh, that are uh, have specific challenges that absolutely need to know that uh, this coverage is going to be there. So we did a lot of work on it. I think it's much better than it was five, six weeks ago when it initially was brought up and didn't happen. I'm glad it didn't then. Uh, I think some really important changes uh, occurred to, again, make it very clear that we are uh, committed to covering pre-existing conditions, uh, that that's going to be there, uh, that there's going to be as best as we can a a smooth transition, but ultimately getting back to this point where we really can have patient-focused health care where individuals with their families can make good decisions with their doctor, where it's not insurance companies telling you what kind of care you can get, and it's also not bureaucracy or government telling you what kind of care you can get. So I felt like this was an important step, uh, not perfect. I'll be honest with you, I've served in government for 20 years. Uh, I haven't voted on a perfect bill yet, 
Uh, so you know what? It, that you do your best. Uh, you do your job. And that's what we're doing in the House. We're moving it forward. The Senate's going to have a chance to work on it. I look forward to seeing what their ideas are. If they accept uh, everything that we put forward, that'd be interesting. I'd be very surprised. So my guess is they'll do work on it. They'll put something forward and we'll have a conference committee. And that's the way the process is supposed to work. So I think uh, it's healthy. It's moving, uh, taking a step forward. I think we'll likely have another chance after a conference committee to vote on a final version. Uh, I'd my guess is this is not that final version. Uh, how concerned are you that there are some Senate leaders who are saying, we need to just start all over again? Well, I, I think that's fine if they want to do that. Again, I think I still think we've done our, our job. They can do their job. Likely we'll meet somewhere in the middle, literally, in the middle of the Capitol in a conference committee to be able to work out differences. Again, that's the process. That's constitutionally how it's supposed to work. And so I'm ready for them to get going. I wish they would have been working on it all along. Uh, They're seeing the same things we're seeing. Uh, They're feeling the same things we're feeling of constituents who are very frustrated with loss of care, huge increases in premium, huge increases in deductibles. I just met with one of my local hospitals in my district, hearing from them that they feel like they're kind of back in the same position they were 10 years ago, where people are coming using emergency rooms for primary care, not paying their bills, not because they don't have coverage, but because they can't afford the deductibles of that coverage. Uh, and so it's just not working. Uh, a lot of the promises that were made just haven't occurred. And so now we've got to go in and it's really is a rescue mission. Let's fix this. Let's make sure people can have confidence, especially our seniors and disabled folks that they know their coverage is going to be there, uh, that they'll be able to get the care that they need and see the doctors that they want to see. Uh, And you've long said that you wanted to ensure that people with pre-existing medical conditions are protected by whatever comes out of Congress. Um, There are a lot of people, including medical groups, that say that the uh, AHCA does not protect all of these people, uh, that uh, for some patients with pre-existing conditions, premiums would go way up. Uh, how how do you really protect those yeah, people? I, I just disagree with them. As you read through the bill, it's pretty clear that literally over and over again it says uh, people with pre-existing conditions will be covered, uh, that uh, they can't have significant increases in their premiums. Now, the one caveat of that is if someone drops coverage. So if they say, I'm not going to be covered until I get sick and then I'm going to get coverage, potentially then there is a little bump. And I think most people would see that as fair. My family and I just had uh, some water in our basement. Horrible thing to have happen, but uh, it happened with all the rain we've had recently. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I called my insurance agent and said, hey, we got some water in our basement. He said, oh, you know what? I told you you could get that rider uh, for water in your basement. It would be an extra $400 a year. You told me you didn't want it. Well, I couldn't at that time say, well, I want it now, so it covered what happened last night. It doesn't work that way. But in healthcare, it's important, and so we're, we're I think, meeting in the middle of saying we really want people to have continuous coverage. If for whatever reason they choose not to have any coverage and then get sick, we still want them to make sure that they have coverage. But there might be a a small bump for one year. Once they have coverage, then they come back down to uh, existing coverage, existing rates, no uh, additional cost of getting back under insurance. Now, this bill allows states to get a waiver on some of the requirements. how does that affect the pre-existing conditions? Can a state either opt out of it or opt out of the the, the kind of premiums that would be uh, covered or would be regulated under the act? I really don't believe so. The MacArthur Amendment is very clear. That was the one that was discussed. Uh, it's, 
encourage people to pull this bill up. It's not that long. The original Affordable Care Act was you know, 2,500 pages, something like that. This one is uh, a couple hundred pages, so you can read through it. It really does make sense what uh, what we're trying to do, what we're how we're trying to make sure that people are cared for. But specifically in the MacArthur Amendment, it's about eight pages long, and literally, very clearly, it says in there that pre-existing conditions shall be covered. Nothing in this amendment, nothing in this bill shall be construed that pre-existing conditions would not be covered. And then it also lays out very clearly pretty strict requirements of what a state would have to do to show to be able to uh, achieve a waiver. The original Affordable Care Act already had waivers in it, so this isn't a new thing. Uh, It just was very unclear how states would be able to access those waivers. So it clarifies it. Uh, Ultimately, the goal is let's build up marketplaces uh, for people to have good choices to get the coverage they need, make sure that they can truly see the doctor that they want to see, and ultimately... Uh, over time, have premiums come down. That's what we want to see happen, where people truly can afford coverage, but then also that once they have coverage, that they truly have care, that they have doctors that they want to see who will take uh, the the plans that they've got. Do you believe that there will be coverage for for just about everyone, even those with low incomes? I do believe there will be. Now, I do believe uh, something that's different than the Affordable Care Act is people won't be forced to buy insurance. Uh, so there is a difference here. Uh, and that's where you look at some of the numbers and things that doesn't really figure in that some people still will choose not to have coverage. Uh, I don't think that's a good idea. Uh, we're certainly encouraging everybody to to get coverage, but it, it, I still believe it ought to be free choice uh, and that this is something uh, the right way to handle that. So I do think anybody who wants to have insurance will be able to get it. Uh, and again, if, if people keep continuous coverage, no matter what comes up, no matter what kind of illness they have, uh, that will continue to they'll continue to have coverage. At that level, uh, and even if someone chooses to step out for a while, this is, allows them to get back in with a small penalty for one year. Uh, if people is is it a choice if people decide they can't afford the coverage? Well, again, I think that's where uh, some of the other things, the the long Upton amendment that came in right at the last minute of an additional eight billion dollars uh, to to specifically focus on making sure people can afford their coverage especially people with pre-existing conditions, of bringing down some of those costs, making sure there are resources available for those people. So I I do believe we've done everything we can. Uh, I do believe if people want to have coverage, they will have coverage through this. And I think ultimately it'll be cheaper and they'll have more choices. Uh, And that is really, uh, when, when there's no insurance company, like we're seeing potentially in Iowa next year, there's no choice there. When you only have one, quite honestly, there's no choice. You've got, you take it or leave it. Uh, And so my hope is over time, gentle transition, letting people uh, know very clearly uh, how this is happening, when it's happening, and for them to just continue on getting the coverage that they've had and need, and over time, hopefully bringing back choices, which was the thought, I think, all along, uh, but we've lost so many of those choices. Uh, And you keep saying that uh, it is uh, uh, eventually premiums will be lower, and the Congressional Budget Office estimated that premiums might be higher under uh, the the at least the original form of the legislation uh, when it first uh, came out. Well, and again, you have to be honest about this. The premiums of the Affordable Care Act are going to be higher next mm-hmm. year and higher the next year and higher the year after that. They've gone way higher than uh, the administration had told us, the previous administration had said, those who had supported the bill had said. Uh, so I think some of that trajectory, since we're keeping a lot of that structure in there to keep a transition time, there will continue to be some of those increases. I think likely they will be less than they would have been under the Affordable Care Act. And it's frustrating with some of the the uh, the numbers of how they figure out numbers of they say, well, yes, it will be higher next year than it was this year. Well, we're already seeing 
insurance companies come out with their premium numbers where many times it's double-digit increases that are happening if we do nothing. Uh, and in some places, it's significant double-digit increases in premiums. So the reality is, either way, unfortunately, for the short period of time, I do believe premiums are going to continue to go up. I think it'll be less under this, and I think it'll be a, a quicker turnaround back to a true marketplace that ultimately... I believe that's the best way to have good quality care, allow people to have choices, allow people to become good consumers of their own care. Uh, and my hope is that's a big part of this is help pe- helping people realize that they can make good decisions of choices that they make uh, in their lives uh, that very likely will impact the quality of life that they'll enjoy later on and the cost of care that they'll uh, have to incur as well. No matter what uh, they choose, though, there still will be coverage for them. Um you're on a on a break from from Congress for a bit. Uh, what have you been hearing from your residents about this? Uh, I mean, a lot of people all they all they know about it is what they're seeing in the paper or reading in the paper and seeing and hearing on television and the radio. Uh, what are you hearing? Are, are people nervous about where this is going to go? Are they are they uncertain, fearful? Yeah, they are. Uh, I think just about everybody is fearful, and I, I get it. Uh, you know, I think all of us, our health care is so personal, uh, our health care of our families, of our loved ones, of people who are close to us, the, that it's very personal, and people want to make sure that those who need it can get it. Uh, and I absolutely understand that and feel it myself. Uh, so what I'm encouraging people to do is take a look at it, read it, uh, don't trust a 30-second soundbite, take the time to go in and, and actually see what this says. Uh, it's not that big, uh, but it's that important for them to know what their health care is. And there's uh, many, many places where they can get, you know, at the, the original language of the bill and the amendments that were. So the current version that has passed the House uh, is accessible and available for people to take a look at. And if they have questions, certainly to reach out to members of Congress, uh, to meet, reach out uh, to other folks that they trust uh, to get answers. And then just to, to pay attention, to keep watching, to see what the Senate does. I think it's always important. It's something I continue to tell my constituents is that uh, one body in government can't pass laws. Uh, it, we can start the process. It has to start in either the House or the Senate. And that is what this is, is the start of the process. Now the Senate will act. My guess is that will take a period of time, certainly weeks, uh, maybe longer than weeks. And so th- there is ample opportunity for people to be educated, to be informed, to watch what the Senate does, to give input if they have suggestions or ideas. I think that's the other side of that is there's so many other pieces that have to continue to fit together. I still think it's important for us at some point to be able to to purchase across state lines, to be able to buy health insurance across state lines like we do uh, in uh, automobile insurance. I think that's something that would make a difference. I also think it's important to have more price transparency uh, in the medicine, the medical services that we get. Uh, it's very difficult to really get to the bottom line of what something costs. And we felt that ourselves as a family, trying to be better consumers of our own care, calling and asking of how much a certain test is going to cost. A lot of times they don't know. So we've got to work on making sure that there's true price transparency, that people can have true cho- true choices of where they want procedures done uh, so they can pick house hospitals, surgery centers, those type of things to really look and see where are the best outcomes, where are the best doctors, where's the best price, and to be able to ultimately make those good decisions. Do you find that the uh, medical industry, the hospitals, the doctors, and frankly also the insurance industry are supportive of this transparency that you're talking about? <laughs> it depends. Some absolutely not. Uh, some don't want it. 
uh, they would just assume it be very complex and uh, people's eyes kind of glaze over and say, I'm never going to understand what my health care costs are. It wasn't that long ago, Craig, when it was a very different system. I mean, I remember growing up where my parents had pretty much a catastrophic coverage if something significant happened to our family. But for most doctor visits, we paid right when we had that visit. Uh, and I remember even back further, my wife's grandpa was a physician, did house calls, and he tells stories of providing care and sometimes getting a chicken uh, as payment uh, or you know <laughs> something else, a gallon of milk or something. Oh, don't uh, we wish. I know, wouldn't that be nice? But you know what? There's got to be a way. We can figure this out. It doesn't need to be this complex. We still can have the best medicine in the world, uh, highest quality, uh, but do it in a way that people really can understand, people can really get a hold of and feel like uh, a confidence uh, that they, they know where they're getting care, who they're getting care from, why they're getting a certain procedure, what it costs. Uh, you know, it's interesting. You talk to a lot of people, and if you ask them what their procedure costs, they would say, well, it's my copay. Uh, that's my procedure cost. Well, it isn't. Uh, there's a lot of other things that weigh into that and um, a lot of things that get done just because someone does have a copay and you want to fill out the file or whatever. You know, so let's get back to making sure we're providing real care, making good decisions for people, and doing it in a way that they truly can afford. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. My guest is Republican Congressman Randy Hultgren of Plano. Uh, let me ask one more follow-up question about that before I move on to a slightly, well, only a slightly political uh, <laughs> realm to this question. But, uh, but first, um, you're a proponent of, of, of smaller government, but in the, on the issue of price transparency, this sounds like an area where the government should... Do you feel the government should step in here and, and, and require this? Well, I think I, somehow we've got to break through. You talk about you know desperate times, demand, drastic measures. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that is uh, kind of where I feel like we're at, where this is so important, and we've just gone so far down this road of complexity, of layer upon layer upon layer of uh, codes and numbers and all these things where even the doctors don't really know sometimes what things cost. We've got to break through that. I would love for the marketplace to do that, uh, where it really became ability for us. Uh, like I talked about our basement uh, just this morning. Yeah. I was online looking for someone to help reattach our carpeting, looking at rankings and ratings and reading through other people's reviews in our area who have used different people. Some of that is available for doctors and hospital, but I think there ought to be more. Uh, I think many of our, our great doctors would love that ability. Uh, and unfortunately, some of that's been lost, I think, in, again, the complexity of it. So government temporarily may need to have some role in it. I still think the best way is for the marketplace to demand it, for people to say, I want to know what this costs. I want to be a good consumer of my own care. I hear it oftentimes that people sometimes spend more time researching a big screen TV that they're going to buy more than major surgery than they're that they're going to have, and uh, I but think it's easier to find the price. It is. Of, it is. Of, of, You're of absolutely right. That proves my point. To, yeah, that's that, my point. I mean, is, most you know, people have never right. seen an actual hospital bill. It's right, so. and, and it's so confusing. Or when you see a box of Kleenex costing fifty dollars or something like that, it's, it doesn't make sense. Somehow we've got to to push in on that a little bit. I love hospitals. Uh, grateful for what they do. Love my doctors. Grateful for what they do. But I think accountability is good for all of us. Okay. Been there, done that on the basement flooding, though. But uh, <laughs> I may call you. Yeah. Uh, well, now let's uh, let one of the the, the political uh, fallout of all of this has been that some Republican uh, lawmakers are being targeted, 
Uh, I know cer- certainly your colleague uh, Peter Roskam, who has been in in here, uh, is is getting opposition from directions he probably hadn't expected. Are you sent- finding any of that in your district? Uh, and, uh, I mean, are you getting blowback from people who are saying, hey, you voted for something that we think is going to hurt us? Well, we have, uh, but, you know, it's kind of been a lot of what we've heard over the last couple months. People are very nervous, very scared. Certain groups are very energized. Uh, some groups that um, are very political are, are very focused. And so we've done, I, I did a town hall a couple of weeks ago. It was very loud. Uh, it was, we, we tried to keep it conversational, respectful. It became a lot of yelling and screaming and things, which is unfortunate, but it still was a good time for me to be able to connect with and hear from people. And many, many, many people came up to me afterwards and just said, thank you for doing this. Uh, thank you for hearing us out. And some of them even apologized uh, for some of the people in the crowds of how, names they called me and things. And you know what? You don't do what we're doing without having some level of thick skin. Uh, but um, you know what? It's It's been a good process to be able to hear from them, to be able to talk with them, to be able to learn from them, but also to help them understand the process that we've been going through, that this isn't some uh, overnight thing. We literally have been working for six years on the core of this legislation uh it's been introduced several times uh gone through a lot of different changes it's difficult you know after seven plus years a lot of changes have happened so how do we get back to uh open choices open marketplace a place where people can really know what they're getting what they're paying for how much it's costing them and ultimately be able to truly afford uh not only the care but the coverage that they want uh so it's 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 takes some time but i've been grateful to have uh, chance uh, this week and then uh, a couple weeks before getting out all over the district, all seven counties, being able to talk with people, meet with people, constituent meetings. We had this large town hall meeting, have had a lot of medium-sized town hall meetings, uh, groups getting together, and it really has been mixed. Some people who are grateful, some people are still very scared, some people are mad. And uh, so, but the key is let's keep working, let's be respectful, let's uh, together work towards good, solid solutions. Hopefully that'll be good for everybody. Well, as if you thought, and if we thought that healthcare was a was a tough topic, this week we got another one. Uh, FBI Director uh, Comey's firing, um, his credibility took hits. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But the timing of this is questionable. How do you feel about the firing of someone who was in charge of investigating whether or not there was any kind of collusion between? you know, the Trump campaign and the Russians uh, during the last campaign. You know, I, I really echo what, what you said in, in the intro on this, that uh, uh, I'm very concerned. Uh, I, I question the timing. Uh, it, uh, if this would have been three months ago, I think it would have been very understandable. Uh, when there was a lot of other changes in the administration right now, it just feels bad timing, feels questionable, uh, feels, um, uh, yeah, just uh, I, I need answers. And I haven't been back out to Washington yet. We've been home this week since we've heard the news. I think we will get some more information. I, I, we're hearing that uh, Director Comey is going to testify in the Senate on Tuesday. Uh, so I, I think that will be good to get some information there. It's the uh, Senate Intelligence Committee, so I don't know if that's going to be an open hearing or not. I haven't heard that. But I want to have some more answers, and I want to make sure that whatever happens in this situation, that the investigation continues. I am very concerned about Russia. I don't trust Russia. I don't trust Putin. I don't feel like they're our friends. Uh, I feel like they would take every chance to do harm to our nation, to our democracy. And I think we have to be always mindful of that. And I want to get real answers of what their involvement was. So however we get that done best, uh, I plan to support. 
I trust our committees, our intelligence committees. I think we've got uh, some really good people there. We had, again, some bumps in the road with with the chairman uh, recusing himself. But the, the sitting chairman on this issue, Mike Conaway, is fabulous, I think, above reproach. Uh, Adam Schiff, who's the uh, Democrat uh, member, I think there's a good relationship there, and I think they're ready to go to dig into information there. My sense is that they will be able to continue in this work uh, even though this is unsettling of the news that we've heard recently about the firing of uh, Director Comey. And you know this question was going to come. Uh, do you believe that for public confidence, for, for the credibility of the process, there needs to be an independent prosecutor to look into this, to lead the investigation? There may be. I haven't come to that conclusion yet. I'm open to it. Uh, I do think it. we've seen historically it, it slows the process down. Uh, so it, it's probably three to six months delay uh, if we do start over, you know, saying, OK, let's have someone completely independent. Let's not have the the uh, intelligence committees be engaged in this. Uh, I think it would delay the process. But number one for me, absolutely, is public confidence of making sure that we're doing the right thing. We're getting answers. Uh, we have the most competent people doing that. I still believe the people in our intelligence committee, I'm not on it. Good friend of mine, Mike Quigley, uh, one of my, uh, uh, he's actually my neighbor out in Washington, D.C. Our offices are next to each other uh, out there, so I see Mike often and talk to him often. He can't tell me much of what's going on in the Intelligence Committee, but uh, what he says does give me some level of confidence of the cooperation between the rank-and-file members of the committee and now even in this, uh, the, the, the chairman that are going to lead this, that they're good people trying to get to the bottom of it, trying to get answers with great Suspicion, as I have, that Russia is not looking to help us, and we need to be very suspicious, on our guard, prepared uh, to to push back where necessary if there's things that they've done to harm us. So, again, I, I will support uh, the best way to get this done in a uh, way that we can all have confidence, we as members of Congress who aren't on the Intelligence Committee, but also our constituents, that we can have confidence that we have real answers, uh, uh, real knowledge uh, that we've gotten to the bottom of this and can move forward. And however that needs to happen, I will support it. Um, How concerned are you, if you are, about President Trump's governing style so far? Well, it's uh, it's been... (laughs) Bumpy. Uh, you know, many things I, I really uh, appreciate and support. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I, I am in, excited about uh, Neil Gorsuch. I think he is very qualified, very smart, very accomplished. I've had a chance to meet him and talk with him and was so impressed. Uh, some of the other people in the administration, I think, are very qualified people there, not to make a name for themselves, but there to do the right thing, to get a job done. And I'm encouraged by that. I think there's other things that the president has done uh, with executive orders that I think have been important with a lot of the last minute executive orders that President Obama and his, his administration did. So much of this really should go through the legislative process. And that's my hope is that if there are issues that we'll be able to go back and take a look at these things. And uh, but um, at the same time, some of the tone at times, some of the tweets at times are difficult uh, and the timing of things or, or ways things are approached. Uh, I think we're all getting used to it, and I, sometimes it, it makes it more challenging for us to be able to find ways to come together to get good things done. I want to touch on at least one other issue, at least. Uh, in terms of international relations, I know you've been very involved in that. You want to see human rights be more of a focus uh, in this administration. I do. Uh, I'm really honored to be named as co-chairman of the Tom Lantos Human Rights Commission. 
Uh, the original uh, chairman of this was a guy named Tom Lamp- Lantos, a uh, mm-hmm. Democrat, holo- only Holocaust survivor to serve in Congress. He was rescued, he and his family, uh, and saved out of Budapest, Hungary. Uh, and then his co-chairman was John Porter, former, former member of Congress from the North Shore, amazing man, uh, still uh, doing uh, great work, and the Lantos family is continuing to do great work. But anyhow, with the Tom Lantos Human Rights Commission, focusing on human rights here in America and around the world, uh, looking for people who are being trafficked, people who are being abused, religious persecution that's happening here in other places, and making sure that we're using our voice as a Congress to stand up for people who don't feel like they have a voice. And I think as far as in work in international relations, we need to make sure as we're talking about our economy and trade, those are so important, but also recognizing we need to make sure that countries that we're working with, that we have some influence over, that we are encouraging them, pushing them in some ways uh, to do the right thing, uh, to fight back against human trafficking, to fight back against anti-Semitism or other things that are happening in other places, uh, religious persecution, minority religions that are being persecuted. We have a responsibility. I'm, I'm very proud of Nikki Haley, uh, former governor, now uh, UN uh, secretary or uh, ambassador from America. Uh, and I think she's been very strong in, in standing up for human rights in some of these uh, discussions that are having in international uh cooperation and uh, we could we really could go on <laughs> quite a bit longer for this but this has been a, a whirlwind uh, half hour uh congressman thank you very thanks, much that is congressman randy hulkren thanks for spending this half hour with us to our listeners if you would like a copy of this program or just to hear it again please visit our website cbschicago.com you can follow the audio links you can also find our podcasts on play.it I will be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus ATT and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.